Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. We provide dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission today to help give our dogs the world they deserve. Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I'm very excited today. Our guest, Denise Fenzi of the Fenzi Dog Sport Academy, is someone I have been stalking for years, including on my Pure Dog Talk podcast. So... (laughs) I'm very, very excited to have Denise join us. We also have with us today, Dr. Judy Stella, who is the head of standards at Good Dog. And we are talking about responsible pet ownership. And this is something, Denise, you work with dogs doing heavy duty competition, but you also work with just average dog owners, correct? Yeah, and just as a member of society who likes to pay attention, I spend a lot of time looking around and observing behavior. You know what? I'm a dog trainer. I can't stop, right? So once (laughs) you get the habit of observing behavior, and it might be animal behavior or human behavior, and every day I see things that I think to myself, your life would be easier if you would change that, or your dog's life would be easier if you would change that, or society's life could be better and easier. So when you mention this topic, I'm all over this topic. I love it. I'm very interested in it. And sometimes it's very simple things that make us a responsible pet owner. It doesn't have to be like, if you go on Facebook, my God, these people are amazing. Like they do their nails every day and they do their dog's teeth and they walk them for four hours. I think that's one of those Facebook fantasy worlds. (laughs) Yeah, of which I have no part. I'm like, damn, my dogs are lucky they eat. I mean, some days it's just kind of a lot going on in life, you know? And the fact is, pet ownership shouldn't be a misery. It shouldn't become a full-time event. But there are things that should happen in the world of responsibility. So yeah, this topic for me, I'm all over this one. So thank you for having me. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about our, if you will, top five things. Here are five things that you as a pet owner can do that will make, as you just said, your life easier, your dog's life easier, and society happier. Things about training, things about socializing, things about awareness with other dogs and how we interact with them. Wow, that's five things. I would say the number one thing that will make you a better pet owner and a more popular neighbor is recognizing dog behavior. Just the most basic knowledge of dog behavior. And the example that came up this morning, I took out my young dog and I'm the first one to say that my young dog has some issues that make him difficult. And so I do things to accommodate that. And one of the things I do is get up at an absurd hour every morning so I can take him out unmolested before I work on behavior. And so this morning I had an event happen where another person was coming towards me with a dog and I did what I always do, which is move to the side and give him space. And his dog was staring so hard at my dog. And as I watched that, I realized that the owner had no idea 
that his dog's behavior was problematic. He really didn't see it. His dog was not moving. His dog had gotten to the point of absolute stillness and staring and slightly crouched. And I looked at that and I don't know what that dog will or will not do. I'm not going to find out. But the striking thing for me is that he was asking me questions about my dog. And I said, I'm working on my dog's behavior. And he didn't recognize that that would mean, please don't come closer or please don't let your dog stare. Like, honestly, there is no reason why any dog should not be moving, staring at another dog ever for more than about three seconds. If I'm standing with my dog and I see him look at your dog, that's not a problem. But if I see my dog stare and staring is not looking, stare at your dog, not moving their body for three seconds, that is the equivalent of a human being looking at you, not moving, staring for three seconds. So just internalize that for a second. Mm-hmm. How would you feel if you were in public and you looked and you realized that a person was staring at a you? A stranger. A stranger, not moving, no expression on their face. Like that gives me the willies, right? Like that's weird, abnormal behavior. It is also abnormal in the dog world. So while I cannot say what would have happened with that dog, how would I know any more than if a person was staring at you, it's outside normal social behavior. And as I walked away, I remember thinking little things like that, that people don't know. Or another one, I am rather desperately feeding my dog so damn fast and dropping food on the floor (laughs) because I'm thinking if he would just move along, if he would just move along, it's going to be okay. And I have not had a problem with my dog for a while because I'm so involved with paying attention, but I saw the writing on the wall here and it was okay. And I did get past, but I was just thinking if people knew, if you see somebody feeding their dog and concentrating very hard on their dog, that should be a red flag. That should tell you this person is asking for space by the way they're interacting. Mm -hmm. And so give them that space. Or if you see a dog staring at your dog, It's really helpful if you know that that is an indicator that things might go badly, whether the owner of that dog knows it or not. So what are you going to do to protect your dog moving away? And what I often tell people, they say, yeah, but nothing happened. He just lunged at my dog. All right, well, let's run with that. So you're walking along down the street and somebody lunges at you and their companion holds them back. Did nothing happen? Something did happen. Something huge happened. An attempted burglary. Nobody got in your house. They just bashed your windows. Okay. So stop and think about that. Did nothing happen? So your ability to protect your dog emotionally, physically, in all ways gets down to behavior. So the number one thing I would really, really love to see is people more aware of normal behavior, abnormal behavior, whatever that means to you. And then taking that one step further How are you going to get yourself out of situations that are getting a little uncomfortable in a way that doesn't just make the other person angry? So I'll tell you what does. If you tell somebody, do you know there's a leash law? I have never in the history of my dog world seen a person say, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Thank you so much for that information. That statement is not helpful. It's confrontational. It is confrontational. So the question you need to ask is, are you trying to get out of the situation or do you want to be angry? It's up to you. I want to get out of situations. And I am the most polite situation getter outer you have ever met. I see it 50 yards away. And I ever so politely yell ahead, 
hey, and I just pick, I could say my dog has cancer. I could say my rabies. <laughs> I'll throw anything out there. I don't care. My dog is sick. My dog is having a really, whatever, pick something. It would help me so much if you could leash your dog. Now they may, they may not. There's a hundred things that could happen. But in my experience, even if they can't get their dog back and you know that, have you ever heard, don't worry, my dog is friendly as their dog is coming. <laughs> that means I don't have a recall. So yes, it's good to just know that if you hear that, that the encounter is going to happen. So handle it how you wish. However, what I have found is that when I am polite like that, no matter what happens, even if their dog runs up, if I then say, I'm sorry, I have to be so particular about it, but my dog's having a really hard time. She's old, she's sick, whatever. What I find is if I encounter that person again, that will change their behavior. So the next mm -hmm. time I see that person, and I see the same people all the time, because I have a route, sure. they not only leash their dog, but they say, how is your dog doing? How are you this morning? And I just made a positive impact, even though my brain might be saying, don't you know there's a leash law? Now I actually end up with my problem solved, which is right. really, it's more valuable to me, even though sometimes I just want to be mad. If I can get past that, I get my way. In society, right. I get along. So I guess I would throw that out there. Knowing dog behavior and learning dog behavior. And there are places that we can provide links in the show notes to make sure that they can go learn about dog behavior, probably at the Fenzie Academy. <laughs> can you imagine? Imagine that. I know. Yeah, we actually have a self-study class on dog behavior taught by Donna Hill. I love it. And it's very detailed as Donna always is. And I think those are the types of resources we want to make sure people know are available to them. So learning about your dog, what is your dog telling you? What is someone else's dog telling you? And dogs can't talk to us. And frankly, as much as we think we can, we can't talk to them. They don't hear X, Y, or Z. They don't hear spot. They hear what your body and your face are telling them. Am I correct? I think so. Yeah. Dogs are contextual. Yes. Learning to communicate with your dog, hear what your dog is saying and hear what someone else's dog is saying is a super powerful and useful tool in being a responsible pet owner. Absolutely. And most dogs have a tell when they're feeling uncomfortable. So my young dog is a Belgian Shepherd and Belgian Shepherds are bred to use their mouths. And so not surprisingly, his tell involves his mouth. And so if he's getting uncomfortable and stressed, what I've noticed is first he starts looking at me. That's my earliest warning sign. Second sign is he starts grabbing gently my clothes with his mouth. If I ignore that, third sign is he starts biting not so gently. So when you start recognizing that your dog is trying to talk to you, he's trying to communicate. If I ignore that, then something bad's going to happen. Because the fourth sign is you ignored the first three, so now I have to take care of this for myself. If that does happen, I've got plenty of notice, plenty of warning. If you know what you're looking for. Because I pay attention. Like, this is the hardest thing. And even the most experienced dog people, including myself, we right. all forget to pay attention. Well, you miss it sometimes, you know, whatever it is. Absolutely. You get distracted. You're looking at right. the sunset and your dog is looking at something else. Right. You're jacking around on your phone when you should be paying attention to your dog. This was the one I used to always give my assistants a hard time about with the dog show that were working for me. They were not allowed to carry their phone when they were axing dogs. Because you're at a dog show, you're surrounded by a million dogs and a million people doing I don't know what. And if you're not paying attention to the dog and the dogs around you, you can have a problem. 
And it's a hard one to learn. It actually takes years. I think that Denise makes a really, really great point when she's talking about those nonverbal cues and the ways that our dogs communicate with us and the ability to hear what our dogs are saying. And so the next thing in responsible pet ownership, after we are starting to pay attention to our dog's behavior and understand what they're telling us in that communication, I think is how do we work with them to understand and move past a situation as the next step of responsibility in that pet ownership is, okay, so now I know what they're telling me. Now, what do I do with it? When I think about responsible dog ownership, I try to look at it from three points of view. I try to consider my needs. I try to consider my dog's needs. And I try to consider society. I think it's an interesting way to think about things. And I find this extremely helpful when I'm trying to make a decision because we all have rights Mm -hmm. and we all have to give a little. So for example, if I have a dog who barks and I have neighbors, what are my rights? Well, I'd like to have peace. What are my dog's rights? Well, My dog does need, if it's fearful or whatever, it needs to be able to express itself. Dogs do bark, and you knew that when you got one. What are my neighbor's rights? Well, they have a right to live in the neighborhood and not have to listen to your dog yapping all day, right? So what's the other side of that? Well, your neighbor can accept that dogs do live in society, and they need to have a little tolerance. Just like children, you get on an airplane, and there's a baby crying, and you're flipping out because you don't like kids. Dog people are notorious for not doing children. They don't believe in them. I mean, it's like... Isn't it true? It is so true. I actually do have children. But what I would say is, you know what? Children are part of society. And when you get on an airplane, deal with it. It's going to happen. That poor mother's freaking out. Why don't you show a little sympathy here? Compassion. (laughs) Yeah, we just give a little. You know, we're all trying to make do. So with the dog, dogs live in society. We can all give a little. Society can give a little. And accept that dogs bark a little. And your dog does need to express themselves. So what I try to say is how can we meet in the middle so that everybody has to give a little, but everybody's putting out a real effort. You cannot let your dog yap for eight hours a day. That's not fair to your neighbors. It's not right. On the other hand, your dog doesn't have to be perfectly mute all the time. So I like to think about almost everything as I have rights and responsibilities What can I do to make sure that I get my needs met and the dog gets their needs met? Like exercise. Your dog wants to get out. Your dog wants to have a life. But you know, not every day sometimes. Sometimes you're going to be tired. Sometimes other things have to happen. Your dog can deal. But sometimes, you know what? Sometimes you have to give and you got to get that dog out. Is everybody getting enough? Get up at four o'clock in the morning and do what you need to do. I know. I know. Sucks. Right? Sucks. (laughs) But, you know, I don't think we have to be perfect, but I think we have to give enough. Yes. And I think part of this conversation about responsible dog ownership, responsible pet ownership, being aware of other dogs, being aware of other people, being aware of your own dog and some of the behaviors that you can work on with your own dog. So whether it's teaching a better recall, whether it's teaching a watch me or leave it command, whether it's giving your dog a game to play or a toy to play with so that they will quit barking. So let's talk about some of those things that we can do specifically as regards our own dog and some of the behaviors that we can actually condition. You can actually get away with very little. You need a recall. A recall is probably number one. 
for most of us. Absolutely. If you do want to take your dog out in public, you need loose leash walking. Now, some people don't because their dog is always off leash. And I really have no issue with that. Maybe you live in a place where that's fine. I mean, it could be fine for your situation. But if you're going to leash walk your dog, everybody, you, your dog and society are going to be way happier if you put some time into leash walking. And a stay is your friend. I remember being out not long ago and I was removing my dog's harness at the back of the car, taking off my own equipment, my things I carry when I walk. And so my dog did it one minute, maybe downstay in the back of my car. Now I'm not even thinking twice about this, but somebody's watching and this apparently is revolutionary for her. So she's looking over at the dog doing a downstay. We're not talking rocket science here. This is not hard and it's not hard to teach, but boy, is it useful. The fact that I could take my stuff off without trying to get the dog to hold still and get him unleashed and then ask him to get in the car. This is not hard. If you have those three things, your life will be easier and better and that many more dogs. Cause it's frustrating when your dog doesn't come when they're called or runs out the door. If you're only going to teach three things, I would suggest that those three can get you out of almost any bad situation. And then you'll be proud of your dog. Right. And that is a really positive loop. And so there's a couple things. I think teaching a recall, teaching a some kind of a place or position or wait or stay or whatever, be in a spot and don't move. You don't have to be in a competition five minute out of sight downstay. You just have to stay in one spot. And like you say, loose leash walking makes me crazy. And again, the easiest thing to fix. And I think helping people understand for me that one principle, which is that for every force that I put against the dog's collar, the dog's going to put equal and opposite force in the other direction. And as soon as you understand that and understand how to work with that, I think your life changes. Yeah. I've also learned a lot about basic management things. So my dog wears a harness. I put him on the back of the harness when he's on his time. He's sniffing. I don't care what he's doing. Just don't drag me hither and yawn, but we have some understanding about it. I put him on the front of the harness when I want a true loose leash. And what that does, it means I don't have to train when I don't want to train. If I want to train, I'll put him on the regular collar and I'll work on walking nicely, but I can get around it just by a simple management choice, right? Just put him on equipment that works for me. And then if I don't want to train that day, we take it off the table. So I'm actually a huge fan of management in all forms. A leash is management. If you don't have a recall and you do have a leash, you're probably going to be all right for a little while. I'd suggest you teach a recall, but Mm. if you don't, my God, don't open the front door and let the dog run out and do the old, my dog is friendly business, train it. Right. But management is certainly, in my opinion, a perfectly fine way to get through much of life. Absolutely. And an enormous part of responsible pet ownership. That's the whole exercise here goes back to what you were talking about. Give a little, get a little. And I think that that is the basis for so much of responsible pet ownership. So we've got three now. What would be number four on your list of responsible pet ownership recommendations? So I'm somewhere in my head. I'm thinking about the process of acquiring animals. Mm. And I'm not sure how to frame this, but I'm going to talk it through as best I can. And you can pull out threads. It is getting harder and harder to get a good dog. And what I mean by a good dog, I know this is offensive to some people, but what I mean is a dog that is a pleasure to live with and actually gives more to you and your family than you have to give the dog. Now, having said that, I'm a dog trainer. So what that means is I actually am hugely entertained by training dogs. 
the average person is not hugely entertained. They actually got a dog to love it, not to train it. I get dogs to train them. That to me is fun. Right. When you are acquiring pets, really, really think through what you need to be happy and what you cannot live with and figure out where you can find that. I have no opinion about that. I don't care if you go to a breeder. I don't care if you go to a shelter. I don't care if you get a dog through the newspaper, but take the time to think about what you want. If you get the dog and it's terribly not suited to your lifestyle, I will help you anyway, because now you have the dog. But I can tell you that after 12 or 13 years, dog ownership is supposed to be a pleasure and a privilege. And you can go really far to making it that if you give thought before you get your dog, how much time do you have to groom your dog? I mean, really, some dogs are exceptionally low maintenance and some dogs are exceptionally high maintenance. I mean, I know a Samoyed is a beautiful dog. I think they're a beautiful dog. You will never find one in my house because I don't have the will, ability to dedicate. I can observe, I can look at others and admire them. So that's something to be thinking about. When you're talking to a breeder, be honest. Don't say you're going to run the dog 10 miles a day because you want a dog and you know you won't do it. Don't do that. Tell them the truth. Tell them what you can do. And if they say to you, I don't have a dog for you, say thank you. This is not a point of argument. They're on your side. Like, just We're trying to help you. We're trying. (laughs) So really think about it. Denise, I think you make an incredibly valuable point. And I agree with you that where you get your dog and the dog you choose, that is yours. So long as you make that a thoughtful process. And Good Dog has a number of resources on the website for people that are deciding about what kind of dog do they want? Should they have a dog? Again, I do not mean to be offensive to any of our listeners, but there are people who should only own goldfish. Some should probably stick with a plant. Yeah. You know, it looks good. Doesn't require too much tension. Well, that's not true. I've killed a lot of plants. Stuffed animals. You're right. Myself. (laughs) Me and plants, it's a sorry event. But yeah, really thinking it through because when the time is right and you have your dog, it'll be great. But it's a lot easier to be responsible if you get the dog you wanted that has the energy level. I love high energy kind of problematic dogs, but I also recognize that most people are looking for something simpler. Right. And that's great. That's fine. You know, pick what you want. Pick what you want, but know what you want. Judy, did you have something you wanted to pop in on here? I love this conversation and I always like to throw in Also pick the age of the dog you want. Because raising a puppy is not for everyone. And I always say that simply because I have raised puppies and I don't enjoy it as much as other people do. And, you know, I understand that getting shelter dogs often that they have different needs and different areas that you need to work on. And so that isn't for everyone, but that is something that I enjoy and that I like doing with them. So I prefer to get the adult dogs. And I just think we all need to be honest about it. Getting a puppy and raising a puppy is not for everyone. It is really hard if you're going to do it well. And you need to really dedicate the time and resources. And not everyone can do it if you've got kids and work and, you know, other activities to do. So I really strongly encourage people to think about that as well. Absolutely. The age of the dog. And another consideration that I think sometimes people don't think about, and Denise, you might can speak to this as well, purebred dog rescue. So every national breed club in the United States and in, I'm sure, many parts of the world have 
a group of people dedicated to helping dogs of their own specific breed. Typically, they're older dogs. Typically, it's a situation where they can't locate the breeder to return the dog to the breeder. Perhaps it was not well-bred in the first place or what have you. But they now have this dog and they put it in a foster home and they reorganize it and they get it groomed up and healthy. And then that dog is available to go into a wonderful companion home. And these dogs are perfect. They are the breed you want, but they're just a little bit older. So thoughts on that, Denise? Yeah, actually, I'm not a fan of puppies either. So I love You guys, puppies. I love puppies. Oh, I love training them. I love playing with them. The problem is the other 22 hours of the day. And what I tell people is a puppy is incredibly similar to a human baby. They don't want to be left alone. They're awake for, what are you supposed to do with them? How many hours of the day do you feed your dog? I mean, at some point, you can only play so much and feed so much. And then there comes the trying to keep them out of trouble. I tell people to puppy-proof the house exactly the same way you baby-proof. I've got gates in my house. If you look behind me, your listeners can't hear it, but if you look behind me, you're going to see my garbage can is on the table. And on top of that are a bunch of envelopes. That is because I'm in the process of shipping a whole lot of books and nothing can be on the floor because my puppy will eat them. So if you look around my house, you'll notice you can tell how tall the dog is at any given time based on how high the books go on the shelves and what's empty down below. If you're good with that, there's so many things I love about young dogs. I love training young dogs. I never deny that. But the living with them, the getting up early in the morning, the crying at night, there are so many things that age alone. I actually have some great photos. Some of my breeder asked me to take a picture of my puppy. And I call my puppy a velociraptor because he can't stop biting, biting, biting. It's happy mouthing biting. It's not meant to be aggressive, but I tell you, it hurts anyway. So I have these photos and there's one where I'm holding him. And there are two photos were taken about two seconds apart. And I'm kind of holding him nice and I'm smiling and everything is good. And in the next one, I'm going, ow! And my face is open because the puppy has come up and clamped onto me. And so you've got these two pictures and they're side by side. And I use them in webinars and say, this is what it's like. This is puppy life. This Mm -hmm. is the life of a puppy. Yeah. I will speak as the puppy lover in the bunch. I love that molding, shaping, I kept a puppy from this last litter that actually has a home. It's going to go to Costa Rica, but I just wanted to raise one more puppy, you know, because I love the process and how they teach us and we teach them. And I just absolutely love it. And so that is for me, a wonderful, wonderful thing. But I think absolutely the source of your pet is an enormous part of being responsible about it. And again, anybody who's listening to the Good Dog Pod knows that there's the Good Dog website and it's got lots of resources there as well. So number five, what is our number five on our responsible pet owner list? I think I got it because having that last conversation brought it to me. And I'm going to say that one is acceptance because no dog is perfect. And at the end of the day, you get what you get. You can go to the best breeder in the world and nobody can guarantee you anything. A dog is a genetic crapshoot. You can get a two-year-old dog and there are still no guarantees. When it gets in your house, just like people, they're not perfect. Your dog's going to have stuff. And it's not because you didn't raise it right. And it's not because the breeder didn't breed it right. It's because living animals have personalities and selves. And I happen to be in the camp that says rehoming is okay. Some people 
are not, and I accept and understand the argument, but my rule of thumb is if you decide as you're looking at your dog that you really went down the wrong path, my rule is the dog needs to go to a home that can provide what you provide or more. And if you can do that, then the right answer is rehoming. But if your dog is just a normal dog who has good things and less good things, learn to love that dog and accept that dog. Don't focus on what's wrong because I promise you, all dogs have things that are wrong. Work hard to find what is right and what you love about it and accept that it's just a being doing the best it can. It's putting up with you. You got problems. So, you know. You know, I think that's a really, really great one, Denise. And I talk to people all the time. They're animals. They're not machines. You know, somebody's in the dog show ring and they're like, oh, I trained this forever and ever. And then at the last minute, the dog did this. Well, it's a dog. You know, if you wanted a machine, go back to the drawing board and to the conversation we had about, should you own a dog? And if you love the idea of companionship, but are uncomfortable with the idea of a companion that isn't perfect, then probably a goldfish is a better option. So I think that this is a really, really good one. And responsibility about how you handle that, keeping in mind that most breeders have a contract that says the dog has to come back to them if for any reason you are unable to keep it. It doesn't get to go live with your brother-in-law who gets tired of it and gives it to his buddy from work who gets tired of it and dumps it in a shelter and the breeder gets really, really grumpy, goes back to the breeder. Yeah, I think that's a great one to end on too. And I think we all need to just be a little less serious about ourselves and that we have these perfect dogs. Sometimes when they're acting up, it's funny, right? If you just stop and take a look at it, it makes life worth living. So I embrace sometimes when they act up. I mean, within reason, obviously, but I embrace when they're... I've got one for you, Judy. I'm shipping him to be on the next plane. I always tell people, how many months had to go by before I could tell the story? That is always... I mean, if it takes years before I could tell the story, that one was pretty grim. If it takes hours or days, maybe not so bad. Absolutely. All right. Well, Denise, thank you so much. This conversation is invaluable. I love it. And listeners, I hope that you have enjoyed this as well. If you want more information on dog behavior and dog training, the Fenzy Dog Sports Academy website, I guarantee you will have something for you. If you want more information about a source for your dog, I guarantee you the Good Dog website is going to have something for you. So thanks very much, ladies. We very much enjoyed our time today. Thank you. Good Dog is a secure online community that advocates for dog breeders, educates the public, helps informed puppy buyers connect directly with certified good breeders, and promotes responsible dog ownership. Good Dog is offering its good breeders special advanced access to the video recordings and transcripts for the full three-part Q&A webinar series with Dr. Hutchinson. All you have to do is sign up as a breeder at gooddog.com slash join. That is G-O-O-D dog.com slash join or click the link in the show notes.